is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit sovereigninsurance.ca to learn more. Diversify. Don't just put all your eggs in one export market, think about what other export markets you could do well at, and EDC will help you figure that out. With Export Development Canada, doing business abroad doesn't need to be risky. We take on the risks so you can think bigger and grow confidently. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. Eason Pang is the VP of Public Relations at Asia Pacific Youth Entrepreneurship Foundations, APYEF. It is committed to providing young entrepreneurs in Canada with overseas connections, opportunities, and resources across the Asia-Pacific region. In doing this, APYEF works towards their mission of building an innovative future for youth in Canada. Eason began in a volunteer role with the organization and has since been promoted to VP of Public Relations for the org. Along with her team, Eason is leading outreach strategies to the U.S., Japan, China, and Australia as part of their mission to gain new resources for Canadian youth and their startups. In addition to her work with the APYEF, Eason organizes the She Loves Tech Global Pitch Competition. She Loves Tech Global provides both a stage and new networks to female founders who are interested in Asian markets. The competition provides a free trip to China and Singapore to the winner, connecting them with investors, accelerators, innovation centers, and successful business owners across the technology sector. 
Eason is preparing to complete her management certificate program at Yale University to refresh her knowledge and skills and implement them in her new role with the APYEF. In today's show, we'll talk to Eason about her work to promote youth entrepreneurship and how she leverages digital marketing and the digital landscape. Welcome to the show, Eason. Thank you, Koma. I'd love to know what attracted you to the APYEF. And why did you want to get involved with the organization? Um, to answer this question, I would like to mention a little bit of background on myself. I was born in China, and I started learning English when I was three years old. I started learning French when I was 18. I love traveling, and I love doing volunteer work. I was living in West Africa for two months, and now I'm living in Canada. So at a very young age, I have experienced many issues due to cultural differences in business development and also professional relationships that I had to overcome. These kind of experiences made me develop very strong skills in cross-cultural communication, more specifically would be between Eastern and Western cultures. So down the road, I have been looking for a place to allow me to leverage these type of skills. And when I saw that APYF was recruiting, I was very excited. One, I love doing volunteer. This is a nonprofit organization. And second, I love doing cross-cultural communication. And it is an organization to help Canadian local entrepreneurs accessing resources in Asia. So I was like, I'll, I'll give you a try. And that's why I decided to join the APYF family. And how has it been so far for you? Um, it has been two years. I joined as a volunteer at one event and then later on I decided well I can take a bigger role and now I'm managing a team of four people and it's, it's getting to a point that I can decide more and take more responsibility and I can make decisions on the annual planning of different events, what kind of mission we are going to achieve in the next three years. Uh, it's a larger role, but it's very interesting to step aside of it and become more entrepreneurial about what kind of things I can do and contribute to the, to the community. That becomes more and more interesting. What are some of the things that you're most proud of having seen the organization do? Um, do you have some examples or case studies of great success stories. Yes. Um, one thing I really like, uh, really would like to mention, also you mentioned a little bit in my bio, that is uh, a global competition called She Loves Tech. That is the competition that I bring um, from China to Canada. Uh, we hosted for two years, for the past two years. And in total, we have um, get over 50 startups involved. Um, so this competition is the largest a pitch competition that focuses on women and technology. So, um, so what we did is we we, we collected applications um, free for startups to participate across Canada. Um, we have applications from Ottawa, Calgary, um, Toronto, Montreal, and then we have a judging panel to select the winner, and we cover their flight and hotel to go to China to meet all the winners across 21 other regions um, that are women entrepreneurs. And there will be an international conference and then there will be the global winner. So the biggest achievement for me myself is last year, our Canada Run winner actually won the global competition. Oh, wow. And 
she got a chance to do uh, a roadshow in Singapore and then get a free trip to Singapore after the trip to China. That's remarkable. Can you tell us a little bit about her innovation and her company? Um, so her her name is Emily. Um, her company is called Fresence. Um, it's more about green environment um, technology company in Calgary, based in Calgary. Fantastic. That's so incredible to see Canada represented on the world stage in that way and to be successful in that global competition. So when you are looking at the different contexts that you've worked in from China to, uh, it was West Africa you mentioned, correct? Uh, yes, I was volunteering um, in West Africa when I was young, but uh, that wasn't uh, involved with APYF. Okay. Um, but when you're looking at the differences between, say, China and Canada, then in terms of our entrepreneurship energy or culture, what are some of the differences that you see? Um, the differences, well, there are many differences uh, in terms of culture differences and also the work environment. Uh, what I see nowadays in China, innovation and startup community starts to grow. Uh, while population-wise, China has a bigger market size um, than Canada. Um, but then technology-wise and also from the com community support-wise, Canada is more developed than China or say more Asian countries. So I see lots of communication between Asia and then developed countries like Canada and US. And I see that is very interesting. Like some Canadian startups, they would like to enter Asian market like China or, or they would like to enter a bigger market like US. Uh, they would like to scale up, but scaling up opportunity um, is not that easy in terms of um, different languages, different regulations and policies, but it, it is definitely on a very good opportunity for Canadian um, startups to go export. And, and an another way around is Asians nowadays, more and more gener young generations in Asian, they start to learn while they can speak fluently English. They want to go to developed countries and to learn technology or contribute. They are talents. They are professionals. They would like to contribute um, to, to the whole world in that sense. And these communications is increasing day by day. And that is very interesting for me to see. It's really neat that you have this inner look into two countries and as these trends evolve, especially with the APYEF. So thank you for sharing those insights. In regards to the resource access, do you notice um, if there's anything missing in Canada for Canadian youth entrepreneurs and the startups that they're building compared to other APYEF countries? Um, Canada is doing very well, I say, in, in innovation and startup supporting. Um, one thing that comes to my mind would be um, some funding, more funding opportunities for early stage startups. So um, I see, well, that's compared with more to US or Silicon Valley, I see there are more opportunities for very early startups um, to, 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 to find the capital that they need to get off the ground. While in Canada, I see there are many talented professionals that they are struggling with funding opportunities at a very, very early stage. Thank you. And in terms of when we are looking to 
um, build these kinds of global relationships. Why is it so important at an early phase for startups to start considering going global or building these international relationships? What impact have you seen it have? Um, so, well, it is always very important for like every country to keep an eye on what others are doing and to learn and share with them. So building these type of relationships at a very early stage, I'm not saying you would uh, you know, scale up to other countries on your first year or first three years. It wouldn't be very reasonable to say so, but keep an eye of what others are doing and that might give you some inspiration of your business. And also you might be able to see how you are doing in, in a global sense, not just uh, in one city or just uh, in one country. Can you share a little bit about the programs that your organization offers um, outside of uh, what you have already shared around um, the global competition and the national competition for women? Oh, yes. So what we have been doing so far is we 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 collaborate with global competition or global events, especially based in Asia. And we migrate them or say we host the Canada round or the Canada um, site and in Canada. And then the Canadian startups can access the resources here in Canada without traveling to, to Asia to get more resources. Um, in that sense, um, next month and also this month, what I'm working on is to collaborate um, with, with, with a global competition that's, that's going to happen in German, um, Japan and Silicon Valley. Um, it's, it's based in, in, in China as well, that this global competition, they specialized looking for um, technology-based startups to soft land in China, specifically Shandong province. And we're discussing more details about they are going to give our um, give us exclusivity to open to Canadian startups this year and maybe next following years. That's fantastic. And do you find the interest from this from the organizations in China is high to bring uh, those uh, events and and competitions to Canada? Um, yes, very, very interesting. So I would give um, a very specific example. Like in China, we we are trying to do more to protect the environment. So we're increasing the barring criteria for chemicals, paintings, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so, so far, if the government is going to change the policy and increasing the criteria more strict, strict, then the current company in, in China would be struggling unless they get new technology. So now, me personally, I see it's a very good entry point for any green chemistry startups or technology to license or to have a joint venture with Chinese company, uh, that it's a very good entry point for them to go to the market just to, to, to have collaboration on and also to get preparation of the policy changes in the near future. So it's looking at what trends have taken place in Canada in this specific sector and seeing how do we adopt this in a Chinese context. Yes, that's about true. So your time with the APYEF is actually after hours. It is something that you do outside of your nine to five. Can you share a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day nine to five job? Uh, yes. So I, I came to Canada in about 
five years ago to study um, master degree in educational technology. And then after that, I become um, an instructional designer. So I do e-learning um, videos, um, online learning, learning management system. Now I'm working for uh, a software company in the U.S. Wonderful. And can you tell us a little bit more about the online learning space? What are you seeing in terms of trends um, for online learning? So, um, well, young people these days, especially like millennials, they like getting information from, you know, social media instead of newspapers. They spend more time on YouTube, Netflix than traditional televisions. So nowadays in terms of learning, it's, there's more variety. And also uh, there tends to, we, we use the methodology called micro learning a lot these days. The term meaning that the training uh, that delivers bite-sized knowledge nuggets and then those uh, little sessions and nuggets uh, can be repacked for different purposes and learners can access to the information anywhere um, by any devices so this type of training um, starts to to get popular among young people and also incorporate training as well I've been noticing this trend as well with like e-courses and things like that online where people are wanting to learn at their own pace or learn a new skill, but not in a traditional environment. Is that what you guys are seeing as well? Yes. And also for professionals too, uh, like they don't have time to quit their job and sit in a traditional classroom setting for like one year, two year. They would like to advance their skills while still keeping their job. So they really would like to participate short sessions, uh, no matter it's a webinar or it is an e-learning that they do asynchronously. Um, it is a way um, in, in a faster paced environment nowadays that people would like to promote their skills um, in, in, in free time, in spare time, on weekends or at night or even in their lunch break. Uh, the learning is, is a lifelong thing. They, will, they, they, they would like to keep the way that going and they would like to contribute to learning in, in small bite-sized and also the knowledge that would like to learn uh, would be great if that's relevant to their daily jobs so that it helps and right away they can apply right away in their work. And do you have any advice for people who are looking to maybe start a company in the digital education space uh, based on your expertise and your experience with your company? Um, well, I, I do have uh, a little bit of advice, but uh, like I have never started an ad tech company myself. This is just my perspective is is. I, I have seen many ad tech company that at the beginning they would like to start a huge platform like Linda.com or Coursera. Well, when you start a platform in that way without any former experience of, of, of a deeper knowledge of one specific industry, it, 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 I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very hard. Like what would, would you differentiate yourself from Cosra, from Linda.com, those existing platform? And also um, I, I, my, my advice would be, maybe you start something small. Maybe you start um, training or online training in a very, very small niche market 
and maybe later on, if you're doing very well, then you you start expanding to other industries. That 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 would be something that I see would be uh, my advice to ad tech companies if they want to do something like this and enter the digital e-learning industry. I'm super fascinated with the digital e-learning industry because I've heard that like the online knowledge business is a multi, multi-billion dollar business and it's going to continue to grow. Yes. So do you have any insights on the future of that industry from, from the work that you're doing? Um, um, so we have been talking about augmented reality and virtual reality in, in ad tech since about two years ago. And I see that personally, I'm a big fan of having augmented reality and virtual reality education, especially in medicine industry. I see that a big, big trend. I think um, any technology relating to that would, would be a hot would be a hot topic in the near future. Hmm. And you were saying that specifically in the medical field, right? Uh, well, it, it, it's it's sort of like. Um, I, I think it will bring more social impacts and also more, more it's a more lucrative industry as well. Um, uh, I would see um, as an example that I have already seen some technology like 3D printing. So when, when doctors are practicing on, on, uh, on a surgery, um, the 3D printing um, machine could be a big help that they, they can produce some prototypes for the surgeons to practice on them instead of practicing you know, on animals or uh, that sort of thing. So I see that a, a really big inspiration to me. So that's how I say, well, I think in the medicine industry, we can do a lot mm. uh, more than what we have right now. The future of ed tech is bright, it seems. Yes. Um, when you're looking at um, balancing sort of the work that you're doing outside of work and your work with work, how do you take care of yourself through all of that? Um, you also mentioned before we started recording that this was a big year for you. You got married as well this year. Um, yes. Congratulations. I also got <laughs> married you, almost Kama. a year ago. And, Thank um, you. But there's, it's a lot of competing demands on us, right? And so how have you found or tried to create a semblance of quote unquote balance for yourself? How do you take care of you? So I actually love this kind of balancing. So um, for me myself, whenever I have a nine to five job routine, I'm that uh, that type of person that I will get bored. I need another thing to balance. And I really love volunteering because I can do one thing that I know a nine to five that can make make a living for myself, become you know economically independent. And another thing is where my passion is. So where I can do this thing for 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 nothing for without without a monetary and uh, motivation. And these two really motivate me and keep me balanced. I cannot lose either of them. If I just do one thing, like I just do volunteering without making a living for myself, I don't think that's reasonable. If I just do a nine to five job, I think I will get really bored and then get exhausted by the routine. And then I might not be doing as good as I am if I contribute more time in my free time to another work 
and then these two works so far perfectly together. So when whenever there is a down moment in my volunteer work, I know that I have my nine to five to support me. And the other way around too, whenever I have a down moment uh, at work, I know after work, I'm going to meet an amazing entrepreneur. And that brings my day bright again. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think it's important for people to hear, especially our listeners who are either, you know, they have their side hustle or they are in a nine to five and are looking to bring more light and joy into their life that you can keep your nine to five as your stability and then use that excess time towards your passion, but that your passion doesn't always have to be what brings in your, your salary or your, or your money. Exactly. So thank you for sharing that. I have a question in terms of, are your parents still back in China or have they also come to Canada? Oh, they're still um, back in China, but next month they will come for a short visit on weekends um, to just that's, visit me. That's so nice. I My parents are in Alberta. It's not, it's by no means the same distance at all. And, and it's different, <laughs> obviously, but it's so nice to be able to reconnect with our families. And do you get to go back home often to visit and, and does uh, the A- PYEF allow you to go back home uh, in that way too, to stay, keep that connection with, with your home country? Um, so I am a very independent kid compared with, um, with average agents. So I was in boarding school since 12. Um, my parents allow me to become more independent and to travel as much as I would like to. So I actually went to China about every once a year. That's the maximum. Uh, for the first three years I was in Canada, I, I just I stay in Canada for three years without going back. But, you know, technology these days, it's amazing. I can FaceTime, you know, video call with my parents anywhere, anytime I want. I feel they're always with me, even though I'm not physically with them. Mm-hmm. I know it's it's such a gift. I always just check in when I know that they're going to be at my brother's house and my nieces and nephews are right there. But that's a big part of my self-care is just being able to maintain those relationships even from afar. Um so I'd love to ask this question to all of my guests um, as we wrap up, getting closer to the end of the interview. But what advice do you have for our listeners for them to thrive in their business and their lives? Um, I have some small pieces of advice. Um, one would be to ignore people who belittle you. That always happens. Just ignore them and don't waste your energy. And two is, is don't procrastinate now is always the best timing so when you have an idea you want to work on it don't wait for the best timing now is the best time and and the last advice would be always focus on what you want to achieve instead of the challenges would would be down the road and and then you're good to go mm-hmm. Fantastic. And uh, we shared in your bio that you'll actually be doing a certificate program at Yale. So this continued education, this continuing to dream big, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pursue the program? Um, So I have been um, working for like three, four years. I know it's not too long, but to me, I want to go back to school and to refresh myself. Uh, so before this Yale certificate, I actually did a very um, tiny summer courses on big data analysis to try and see when it was a hot topic. I want to see if it's a good for, fit for me and also want to learn the industry. And then 
And then I didn't finish the whole certificate. And this summer, I see there's an opportunity at your university. Well, Yale is uh, like Ivy School was my dream when I was very, very young. And and I'm like, okay, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to learn from the best. I have never received any formal education from business school in terms of uh, management administration. I think it's good that that I I, I learn from the best and see. Um, what I can improve myself, and also it's a very short summer certificate program. I don't have to quit my job. I see it as a very good opportunity for me um, to go to the university and also networking with people and also professors and to refresh myself once in a while. I believe that this won't be my last education program that I will enroll. Maybe in another five years or so, I may also get myself updated in another institute to get more information and keep up to date with the current uh, times and also the, the 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 current trends of technology. So you are part of as am I. Those statistics around continued learning, especially for millennials, we just. We are so hungry to learn on our own pace and in our own ways, and uh, you're really making the most of it. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for joining us today on the show. It was such a pleasure to hear your story. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share about your future hopes and dreams for the APYEF and and your guys' goals as an organization? Yes, I do. We are actually doing our three-year planning for the following three years. Uh, We're looking back to see what we have achieved for the past three years since we are launched. And then for the next three years, since I we were based in Montreal, now we moved to Vancouver, we really would like to contribute in terms of the communication within Canada, across Canada. Uh, we can provide more resources from Asia. Um, to both both the eastern coast and also the western coast of Canada startup community, and we have been t- um, contacting some um, some potential partners in the Southeast Asia, and hopefully we can get more resources from them to Canadian local startups. Incredible. This actually reminds me um, of a question that was in my mind earlier in our conversation that I'd love to bring up is you work in a lot of cross-cultural scenarios. How do you navigate um, different cultures and associations with entrepreneurship around the world? Oh, yes. Um, So the way I do is I always learn about the culture, the big business working environment by researching before meeting them. And also I I do respect the differences uh, of of the approaches that they do. Um, I'll give a very like short example is 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 Asian in Asian business cultures like um, I would say China um, Japan that as far as I know they they love to talk about business over over dinners or meals so whenever a Chinese partner Japanese partner they ask you out for 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 a meal it might not necessarily mean they want to get to know you personally there is a chance where it's possible that they are very interested in your projects and they maybe would like to lend it a deal over the meal so get prepared of that and another thing I'd like to mention is in Asia people love to give small gifts um, whenever they meet people in business 
scenario that is very different from um, North America, I would say Canada. Um, so whenever I go back to China to visit, or I, I would like to visit some even um, for a PYF business site, um, I've purchased so many little bottles of maple syrup. Perhaps I've never purchased that many bottles of maple syrup in my entire life. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're happy. It's it's not about the how how expensive the gift is. It's just the way of showing respect. Uh, it's it's their approach, and I respect it. And whenever I do it, it's a very good way to to break the ice at the beginning and and also avoid any misunderstanding with each other. That's so beautiful. That cross cultural awareness and just taking the time to learn more about the places we're going. Yes. Well, thank you so much again. I feel like I could keep talking to you all day and I I very well could. But thank you so much for your time, for your expertise and uh, for sharing your story with us on the show today. Thank you, Komov. And thank you for your time too. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.